welcome to the Fourth Wall Film Talk podcast. Uh, we are your hosts, Jagger and Joshua Nelson. How you doing? And we will be breaking down the walls today of And Justice for All, starring Al Pacino and Astrakhan, directed by David DePesville. Um, so A movie that's very old and a movie that's brand new. Yes. Um, so I will leave it up to preference for you of which <coughs> one we'll be starting with. So let's start with the older film. Let's start with Injustice for All. Yes, yes. Which came out in, I'm, I'm going to say maybe 1979, I, I believe it did. Yeah. Uh, Injustice for All is a phenomenal, phenomenal film um, about law and the corruption within the legal system. And it stars Al Pacino and a very uh, new Jeffrey Tambor. Um, Jack Warden, and uh, and Justice for All, when it came out, um, was very critically play- praised. Uh, Al Pacino got a nomination for Best Actor, which I believe he should have won, um, and he didn't. He lost to Dustin Hoffman for Kramer versus Kramer, um, and just an amazing, amazing film. I totally agree. Um, I mean. There's a lot to be said about a movie like Injustice for All. It's like a legendary beast of a film that obviously, like you said, got Oscar nominations, but in a year with films such as All That Jazz, like you said, Kramer vs. Kramer, uh, not to as much critical acclaim, but The Warriors came out that year, another incredible film. 79 was a great year for cinema, and I think that this is absolutely no exception. Um... To break down, like, one thing after a time, I'd like to say that the script here is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, it really knew how to build these characters up to be people that you felt like you knew by the end of it, which I think when a film does that, mm-hmm. it is a very impressive feat. Yeah. You, um, care, you, you, you care about the characters. Yeah. You get to know them a little bit. Um, there's two things I'd like to say about Injustice for All. One... Lee Strasberg is also in it. He plays Al Pacino's grandfather, which is wonderful because uh, Lee Strasberg um, was Al Pacino's acting teacher. Really? Um, from the actor studio. And uh, they were also together in The Godfather 2 when Lee played Hyman Roth. Um, at, at its core, aside from the phenomenal performances, um, at its core... And Justice for All looks at the true, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the, the true issue in law where it's the legal system doesn't really have to do with who's right and who's wrong. The legal system does not really obtain justice for those that deserve it. And that's what is at the heart of this film. You have a, 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 someone who committed a crime and the lawyer defending that person and you have the person trying to punish them for committing the crime. So you have that lawyer. And the person who's guilty isn't necessarily the one who loses. The, it's the lawyer with the better case. So what Injustice for All is about, it's about a lawyer who has to go and decide, does he want to be a successful lawyer and ignore 
the fact that he's defending criminals? Or does he follow the justice system, which and justice for all means everyone's allowed to a, a jury and a lawyer, but it's the case that wins. It's the lawyer that wins, even if you're guilty. And can you, in good faith, and this is something anybody who wants to be a lawyer needs to say, can you, in good faith, represent somebody and be happy they won if they're guilty? And I think that without a spoiler warning at this point, I feel like we kind of have to implement it because as you said, well, I guess spoiler warning now, he is guilty, which is something you do not find out until much later on in the movie. Right, the person Al Pacino represents is guilty. Yes. And, but it doesn't matter because you're not supposed to treat your client differently. You're supposed to defend that guilty client so well that they can get off. That's the law. That's the actual American law. Yeah, and I think using the term injustice for all for the title was a brilliant choice. I also think that the opening of the film having the, I think it's kids, mm -hmm. saying the... Playing the Pledge of Allegiance. The Pledge of Allegiance. I think that that was a great choice, a great creative choice on their behalf. Um, but I think that saying injustice for all is representative of somewhat false promises of the view that the Pledge of Allegiance made to build up in America. Right. Um, discussed time and time again, but I think that... Well, because justice for all doesn't mean all get justice. Yes. It means all are entitled, in the United States legal system, everyone is entitled to a lawyer and a fair trial. Yes. But it does not have anything to do with the guilty versus going, going to jail and the innocent winning, the innocent prevailing. It does not always work that way. So yeah. it's a it's a it's a flaw, but I don't know how else to how else the world would work, really. I mean, yeah, it's just sort of something that we've grown to accept that sometimes criminals get off on cases as horrible as it is. Yeah. That is the world we live in. And keyword there really is horrible. There's a lot of harm that comes within the performance that Pacino portrays. God, I stumbled up there. Um, well, he's a he's a he's a tormented man. Yeah. Because he's he hates this man with every fiber well, of his being. In 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 general, he's he really does fight for justice. He really yeah. does fight for his clients and and for what's right and what's wrong. And the legal system is not set up in a way that it always really helps the innocent. And I think it torments him. And why I think his performance is brilliant is because the more the legal system screws him, the more the more pent-up frustration he shows and his emotions start to build and he starts to he starts to just it just starts to build in him and fester until the extremely iconic, chaotic, brilliant end scene, which has just been emulated and known for so long in, in, in cinema as one of the most iconic acting moments when he's scre you know, screaming at the judge and at everyone. You could but say, it, it, it builds to that, which is what makes it beautiful. Pacino's really good at playing people that are involved in the justice system cracking under the pressure of their cases. Um, <laughs> I feel like he's done that far more than once. But, I mean, to say it 
fairly. You could say that that final scene, and I'm just wanting to want to touch on that for a second, was a huge inspiration for a lot of actors. And I mean, as if you look at like people going down the list of the best acting performances ever, you'll oftentimes notice that this performance doesn't really show up, and you might wonder why. And it is because there have been so many people that have really taken notes on this performance that this one has sort of almost been under layers. Because this was a movie that you really introduced me to. This wasn't a movie I had heard much about elsewhere. Well, you're young. You, you wouldn't. Yeah. But this was the film that when I saw it, I decided I wanted to be an actor based strictly on that performance. And it makes so much sense saying that, you know? I mean, if you look at your... Who's an actor that people love, like, currently? Look at Daniel Day-Lewis, Okay. right? If you look at those performances that Daniel Day-Lewis has that are ranked so highly, if you look at Adam Driver, you look at, I don't know, Hugh Jackman in Prisoners, there's a lot of screaming going on, where it's people yelling in other people's faces. All of those performances that I can tell have come after this film did. <laughs> to maybe, say... maybe. 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 I mean, a lot but of a people good... say that Al Pacino was, a, was an influence in their career. Yeah. Al Pacino really did lay down a foundation for a lot of current actors. Yeah. To say that would really not be blowing anything out of proportion. But, but I will also say that in this film, the smaller roles, the supporting roles, the people who play his clients, yes. um, they're great. They're really great. And, they, and they, they not only are believable, but you have empathy for them. You feel bad for them, and, and, and I think that connects you a little to Pacino's character because he feels bad for them, and he feels bad when he can't help them, and it makes the people in power who are not helping those who need it even more of a villain. So it's set up really nicely, the good versus evil aspects of this film, which it really does come down to good versus evil. But um, in a really enjoyable way, la layered with a lot of humor and phenomenal direction. Sidney Lumet. Is it Sidney Lumet? No. No. I don't know. I forgot who did Injustice for All. Um, Sidney Lumet I'm did uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, yeah. sorry. But uh, it's, it's, it's just a great film. Yeah. And if I may just touch on one more thing before we move on to Astrakhan. I would like to bring out Jeffrey Tambor's performance in that scene with the plates. God, that was a wonderful scene to watch. Yeah, Jeffrey, Ta Jeffrey Tambor is still loved. Yeah. He's well-respected today, but this is an old, early-on version of showing his brilliance with comedy, with drama. He really, uh, he gets no notoriety for this role, but he's <laughs> phenomenal. The arc that he shows, he's I mean, great. I only knew Jeffrey Tambor. When watching this movie, I only really knew him for Arrested Development. Which, knowing him for a relatively straight comedy role, seeing this was really like an eye-opening, yeah. wow moment. And that scene in particular, I thought he was absolutely incredible. He in. was. So, highly recommended film. Highly recommended. I believe I have this at a 96 or a 97 out of 100. Maybe 98, somewhere between 96 and 98. Highly, highly recommend. It is a five-star movie for me. I believe it is also a five-star movie for you. If you can go higher, yes. Yeah. Um, so now let's move on to Astrakhan. So, <laughs> so when 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 Jagger and if you don't know this podcast, I'm Jagger's father. Mm -hmm. We decided to do a podcast because we're both uh, 
actors and we're both in the business sort of and um, I thought it would be an interesting perspective to have an older generation versus a new generation <laughs> in the way we see things. So when he said to me, uh, I want you to see Astrakhan, I had no idea what he was talking about. I'd never heard of this film. Um, I, I, had no, I had no clue, in, even from the title, I don't know what, what it meant. Mm-hmm. But I watched it. <laughs> watched it, you did. Um, so, if you have, if any of you have any association with my letterbox, you probably know I've seen this movie, reviewed it around seven times now. Um, <laughs> it has less than a thousand reviews on Letterboxd. Uh, so spreading the word here is what I'd like I to do. I still don't understand why you, re- why you review movies each time you watch them. That's how Letterboxd works. You're not very well-versed yet. I'll get you there. Mm. Um, but here's the thing, right? I have this movie at an 100 out of 100. I believe it is perfect in every sense of the word. I believe it is a masterpiece, and I will get into that. What do you think? I, I would not call it perfect. I think it was a a really interesting, uh, touching portrayal of of a child, a foster child, trying a foster child going through adolescence mm-hmm. and trying to find his way in the world, which is hard enough for a regular preteen or teen boy but when you're living with a family that is not yours when you're living with parents that are not your actual parents when you've been bounced around it it really takes the normal changes that are difficult to deal with for a young person and magnify them Mm -hmm. um in a way that most people could not understand Unless you were in the foster system or you lost your parents or you grew up um, around something like that, I think it would be very difficult to understand. I'm a foster parent mm-hmm. and we've had numerous foster children, um, so I have, a, I have a general idea of it, but unless I went through it, I don't think I really could fully understand it, but this film seemed to truly understand it. Do you know if the director had any association or the writer with the foster care system? No one knows anything about this director. Okay. Um, so this was a it's, movie. it's a foreign film. It's a French film, right? It's a French film. And I would like to explain this, my story with this movie, right? Um, so I watched Anatomy of a Fall, uh, and in going through the actors on Anatomy of a Fall, I sort of started watchlisting some of the movies that these actors had been in. And one of the recommended movies for me was Astrakhan through um, Jenny Beth, who... Who's great in this film. Great in this film. Um, if you don't know her, she's the only actor in this movie that really is a name anywhere. The rest of them, this was really one of their first movies. And it being an independent film, that makes sense. Uh, this movie is really, like, it is in the depths of the depths of cinema. Um, what could define that? The depths of the depths, meaning that I don't know really more than five people on Letterboxd, including myself, that have reviewed it from America. So it's not well known. It's not well known, and the only people that do know it are people that go to art house fest- or like art house festivals in France. So it was like $5 for rent on Prime, so I was really, like... 
suspicious of it. It's not even released yet in a majority of countries, except for really France and America. Um, so I decided when I was going through, I was like, why not just give it a shot? I like coming of age movies. I like French cinema from what I've seen of it. Might as well give it a shot. So I did. And I remember the first time I watched this movie, I was absolutely like shook to my core because when you watch a lot of movies like I do, you start to realize that a lot of movies just feel like they get stamped and pushed, stamped and pushed. And when you're watching a lot of movies and they feel like these machine-made products and you watch, like, and no offense to anything, but if you're watching, like, MCU movies, you start to lose a sense of cinema that has a good voice Can you go it. to, like, a Transformers kind of type of movie because the Transformers movies come out and they seem very generic and nobody cares about the script and their Hollywood churn. But the Marvels... The Marvel movies are much better. The Marvels, Quantumania, these feel like movies with a voice. Continue. Okay, when you watch Transformers, uh, Rise of the Beasts, you are officially seeing cinema that has no cinematic voice behind it. You're watching like no a movie. heart, no soul. There's no love put into these movies, right? You don't see a director through them. If you watch a movie directed by Michael Bay and you look, maybe different words, different character names, it is the same movie. It's like, it's like McDonald's food. Every time you get it, it is the same. So when you actually branch out and you see something that is so clearly made with someone who has so much purpose, it really feels like a very new thing. Like the holdovers. Like the holdovers. Right. Like Anatomy of a Fall. These are movies where you can see the director in them. Right. If you watch a Wes Anderson movie, there's no mistaking it for anyone else. I know you don't like her. If you watch a Sofia Coppola movie, it is nothing but a Sofia Coppola movie. I mean, same thing can be said for Yorgos Lanthimos. These are directors in current directors that really you can't mistake their work. The greats, Stanley Kubrick, Paul Thomas Anderson, Steven Spielberg. But this this is a new director. This is a brand new director that I believe is a visionary on the rise. I think that if you missed this movie, like I would say near every single person watching this or listening to this, unless you are in contact with me and I have begged you to watch it, then you have most likely no idea what this movie is. So, to get into plot a little bit, I will give you this opportunity, and the reason we put this movie second is pause this, go watch Astrakhan. You're losing nothing. And well, you de- can still describe it without giving spoilers. Yeah, you but can. I suggest you take the time now to go watch it and then come back and talk with us a little bit. So... To not give spoilers, because none of you have seen it, <laughs> um, it is a movie about a foster kid who you really know nothing about his past. Um, and he comes into this house, and in this house, there are really four people taking care of him. Um, a mother, who the mother is really struggling. We'll get into these characters with more depth later. You have a father... The father's abusive. You have the mother's brother, who's off the bat, a little off. 
and you have the mother's mother. Um, or the, yeah, mother's mother, who is caring and easily the most, I would say, empathetic? Not empathetic. Caring. Caring. Loving. loving. So now that you have to understand that there are different types of foster parents. There are different reasons people take in children. Mm-hmm. Some do it from an absolutely pure of heart where they know, okay, these are kids who have no family or taken out of their family, and we want to either supply a safe haven for them. We want to give them a shelter. We want to show them maybe love that they weren't shown. Because there's a lot of terrible reasons kids are in foster care. Yes. Sexual abuse, physical abuse, drugs, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But then there are many parents that do it because it's an extra income. Yeah. Which, honestly, you don't get much because if you're actually spending it on the child, you get really nothing out of it. It's no, there's no profit at all. Mm-hmm. But there are some parents that do this strictly for the money or they'll take two or three foster kids and they want the money. They don't really care about the kids. So they won't treat them well. They won't treat them better. And often they treat them horribly. Um, and because there's so few parents in the foster system, you know, they're needed. Mm-hmm. This was interesting because... Did you see them as bad foster parents? I saw one of them as bad foster parents for sure. But, but for the most part, not really. I mean, here's they, the thing. They, you could look at them as, as, I understand why they're frustrated and angry. Or you could look at them and say, wow, they really are doing this only for the money. Yeah, and here's the thing, right? I think the mother is well-intentioned, and she said that. She said, I'm usually like, really good with kids. So I did this for that, but I need the money, which is why a kid that is requiring this much work is still here. After her, and with no spoilers, after a multitude of events, it becomes hard to understand why they would keep him in the situation that they're in where they clearly have no money at all. Right. Um, Well, that's why they're keeping him. That's why they have to keep him. But if you're in foster care... And your odds are you already are going to have challenges and difficulties. And again, this is very much a coming-of-age film because it it explores his understanding of the need for parents and and understanding his his intro into sexuality Mm -hmm. and friends or not having friends or being different. Yes. Being, and he's very different and... And it's it's hard for him. And people get very frustrated with him easily. But I think you have to understand that kids who are developmentally in an odd state at that time, they're still learning, they're still growing. When they have trauma, when they have emotional <laughs> trauma, they're going to be more difficult. They're going to need more care. They seem to just want him to fit in and... For the most part, a child like that's not going to be able to just fit in. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of this movie uh, where they say, we find him odd. And you can assume that in the way that they treat him, they've probably had other kids in the house beforehand that were able to fit in. Um, and presumably they haven't been in the system long enough to have gotten a kid that requires a lot. And he's a difficult kid to say that. You know, he has presumably a good deal of trauma. 
he has issues with being able to keep himself stable due to that trauma. He's a kid that is in need of much more assistance than they're able to supply him with. And for that reason, they're unable to care for him in a good way. But they need that money. So it is really a film that creates a very introspective conversation on, number one, really a god it's horrible to think that i consider small problems i have on my day-to-day as problems when there is someone in such a painful situation as this kid Mm -hmm. um it's a film that deals with a good bit of metaphorical use Mm -hmm. and i think that in its metaphorical use it almost handles things in a somewhat lynchian manner which i love you know, I think when a movie's able to handle metaphors in a puzzle-esque way, where it leaves you kind of thinking about it after, you yeah, know? It, it's, got a, it's got a really well-done, beautifully cinematic and interesting and a little bit eye-opening ending, definitely metaphorical, <laughs> don't give anything away, um, but uh, it, it really hits you. Yes. And... It, it really tries to let you understand him, which is hard because I think the whole movie revolves around nobody understanding him. Yeah. So in order, I think the fact that they kind of bring you into his psyche and his mind and his world and his imagery, yeah. um, it's, it's kudos to the filmmaker for that. That's a, that's a beautiful, difficult thing that they did there. Um, it's indie. Um, it's a, I don't want to call it a slow burn, but it's a slow-paced film. But yeah. I think it's interesting. The story's interesting. The acting is very, very natural. Um, definitely worth, I mean, I'm not, to you, giving it 100 out of 100, <laughs> which is something I would rarely do. Um, but definitely um, worth some, worthwhile watching um, if you want to just sit and, and get absorbed into this little independent French world of somebody going through, a young boy going through a lot at one time. Yeah, I think that it is totally worth a watch, sort of underground, so I'm glad I was able to bring it to you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, But to put it in a way to make you understand a little better, because without being able to give spoilers, you're really not able to fully engulf your mind in what this film is. They can when they see it. Yeah, so if you're having a little bit of trouble deciding whether or not you want to watch a movie this indie, it's foreign. If you've liked more popular films, such as The 400 Blows by Francois Truffaut, After Sun, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, if you are into coming-of-age movies at all that are more dramatic in its tones, or if you don't love coming-of-age films, but you like a film that makes you think, It's totally worth checking out because I believe it has more quality of film than a good deal of Hollywood blockbusters. And it's a new name, you know? We have to get David DePesville on the board as someone that can be considered to make a bigger budget film where he doesn't have to worry about limits. I think that he has the ability to make something great. So... High respects. So to wrap it up, both films, and Justice for All and Astrakhan, both recommended. Highly recommended. 
Thank you for joining us, and um, you we'll can see you find, soon. You Go can ahead. find us on social media. Our Letterboxed HQ is up. We are going to have that sort of be a way where you can figure out what movies we're going to be reviewing on our next episode. We also have a Twitter for that, both of which are Fourth Wall Film Talk. Um, on our Letterboxd HQ, you can find both of our Letterboxd. I'm Jagger Film Fan on Letterboxd. He is Fourth Wall Joshua. Uh, so yeah, check us out. Uh, find our stuff. And we thank you very much for tuning into today's episode. We thank will see you. you next week. Bye-bye.